backstage. Backstage. I'm Jared. I'm Adam. And we hear a little bit of a follow-up show, a little bit of a grab bag. Following up to let us know in the comments. First of all, we had some nice comments on that episode. Yeah, that was ironic. And in Slack. And if you click through to the Discuss on Changelog News link in your show notes, you will see that the comment section is still there, partially because I was a procrastinator and partially because we just slowly changed our mind. Or at least I did. I don't know, Adam. What's your take on the comments now? Well, I think we may have... uh, So it's good to, to pay attention to the law essentially right when it comes to like our jurisdiction is the u.s and so we're looking at the way that you know that kind of thing plays into comments i think we don't want to be outlaws right right (laughs) we may have exacerbated the problem though we're not really dealing with those but it's the potential of dealing with it so that was like the fear of and the concern of the future issues that could come with it yeah less like these really cool comments that are sporadic like we enjoy those; those are great, right. and thankfully, that's really what we had to deal with. Is not the bad side, but the good side. So I think the if we can keep more of this good side, then I'm cool with it. Basically, yeah. There was lots of good feedback on that. Some were in the comments of the episode, some were in Slack, some were on Twitter, some were all sorts of places. Which is kind of one of the reasons why we said, do we really need a comment section? Because there are other places to discuss. But a couple of arguments, or I guess points, we weren't arguing, but points that were made that were somewhat compelling to me was why people do like the comment section. First of all, a lot of people didn't know we had the comments. A lot of that's probably because of a UI on Mm. our side that just doesn't make it very prominent, especially on podcast episodes. Like there's a discuss button, but if you land on the episode page and there were comments right there, you would be more likely to comment versus clicking away. So that's something that we should probably- Or get value in the comments. There's there's oftentimes when I read the comments on content and I'm just like there just to read the comments, not even participate. Right. So, so. so there's that, but I think the, the one point that was compelling to me is the comments are a very nice place when they're attached to the episode for some aspects of permanence. So there's really no permanence in Twitter. There's actually no permanence in Slack because we are on the free Slack plan, which means we got 10,000 messages and then they just disappear into the ether, right? Or you might think of it like that. You might think of it like Slack holds them hostage until we have right. some money. So the hostage ether. We can have those discussions, but you know, there's a nice it's nice to have a place where you could, for example, add a link or say, "Oh, you guys discussed this. Here's another cool thing." And you mm-hmm. can have that s- stick with the episode even if they're infrequent. It's kind of a nice thing. Um so that was there was that and then there was a few people that said, "We like the comments." Some people said, "Go ahead and get rid of them. I didn't know they existed." So, um also haven't had too many bad comments lately so maybe it was just a little bit burnt out on moderation but then like we've gotten some good ones yeah. it's like eh, it's more work to actually go remove them than it's just to not do well anything. the spam we've had has been mostly profile spam not comment spam yeah right? exactly so i think if we curb the profiles coming in spammy and we've obviously done some limitation on if you have a profile you have some limitations on when you can comment that is her that has helped to curb the comment spam which yeah definitely can be you know taxing on the the moderation side so i've taken some moves on the profile side so that i think we got on some sort of list on a good place to sign up and get a free profile kind of a thing oh yes i'm convinced that the people that are signing up the affiliate marketers out there they have their list i'm convinced that the people that are signing up are not robots they're actual humans because we've used various techniques including we're just using standard Google reCAPTCHA at this point. 
which is, you know, some of the most advanced capture technology in the whole universe. <laughs> and yet plenty of people sign up every day who are clearly spammers. Yeah. So what I did was I just said, well, no public profile by default. You have to have an approved comment or news item before you can actually have a profile. Yeah. When we, if we create your account for you, invite you on the show, obviously you get one. So you're blessed. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're pre-blessed. But if you just sign up, you do not get a public profile page until you've had some sort of good contribution and then you get one and which I think is fair because there's really nothing on your page anyways until you have some content that you've created that's the way the profiles work so that's helped in so far as we're no longer hosting spammy profiles that we don't know about but it hasn't stopped the spammers from signing up yeah. and here's how I know they're humans because when you sign up if you try to turn on your profile it says you have to comment or submit a news item before you can turn on your profile and we've gotten way more spam news items lately. So they read that, and then they submit a news item, which is basically just to their spam page. And so now instead of getting a bunch of profiles, we're getting a bunch of profiles spam with a news, news item, with an association. Mm. So we're getting twice as much spam. Wow. But at least it's not out there, and we're not like rehosting those things. Anyways, a little Let's bit off topic, painful. but some of the things well, that we're... A little bit more on that topic, though. I want to share some appreciation. So there's an admin section to our website that no one sees besides essentially us. And I stumbled upon, you know, there, we have a people tab. And so you can look at all the people, essentially. And I noticed in the drop down, we have a spammy profile, essentially, like this sort of sub list of the list. Right. And there's 995 people that are considered spammy. Yes. Long bio, excessive links, things like that. So as a of appreciation i appreciated that i didn't build that you built that yeah that's cool well i was trying to you know scrub them more quickly and easily and that quote-unquote algorithm it's actually just highfalutin to even call it algorithm the way that thing works is not perfect and it basically says if you have a bio or a website link and you're not subscribed to anything and you've never had a good comment then you're spammy that doesn't mean you're actually a spammer. Like if you look at some of those, they're legit people that signed up. Because um, I'm in there deleting the ones that I know. I'm like, ah, get rid of you. I just it's like pulling out weeds. You know, I like to do it every once in a while. But I look at him like, yeah, this guy's spammy, but I don't think he's actually a spammer. I think he just hasn't done anything yet. And then I yeah. realized the reason why it's not perfect is because we host two of our nine newsletters off-site, right? So changelog weekly and changelog nightly are sent via campaign monitors mailing lists and all of our other quote-unquote newsletters which are kind of transactional they're notifi notifications there's a new episode of go time but th that counts as a subscription in our system those are all sent via campaign monitors smtp gateway so they're just transactional emails and so we host it's easy and cheap for us to say are you subscribed to go time but it's more expensive of a call to say are you subscribed to changelog weekly because mm -hmm. we have to go ask campaign monitor. So those people are most likely, and I did like hand check a few of them, like, yeah, you know what? This person actually just subscribed to weekly, but our spammy indicator thinks they're spammy because we don't know about weekly internally. All we know about mm -hmm. is our podcast newsletters. So we talked about how to, you know, potentially bring that list inside of the site and how that would work. And that's the fix. The fix is we yeah. host all of the signing up and, you know, subscribing and unsubscribing to all of our newsletters locally. And then we just send via campaign monitor. Mm -hmm. And that's on the old to do list. So once I once I can get that done, which is actually not yeah. very many steps, then we can actually get that spammy list 
and we can just like auto purge old ones. Yes, because we know that they are like actually that. spammy. They're not just. I see ninety five, and they're not not nine hundred ninety five. Yeah, exactly. That would be, I prefer to weed out ninety five versus almost a thousand. It makes me wonder how people with very popular websites deal with this stuff. I guess they just live with it because I just don't like having like fake accounts in my system. It's like, come on, man. Well, especially when you want to, you know, promote, you know, yeah, to the community who's here. Legitimately, you exactly. Know? Well, I think maybe startups like it the other way because of the, every spam account still goes sure. in their users' table, <laughs> and they're like, "Look at all these users." I mean, that's part of that's why you know a lot of the big social networks start reporting things like daily active users and and monthly mm-hmm. active users because their actual user base is probably ten percent, fifteen, twenty percent fake accounts. You know, like if you just did, yeah. you know, select count star from users. That table is not indicative of actual people, and so that's probably why they started switching yeah. to those metrics. So, oh, thankfully, we're not that popular. I couldn't my my psyche couldn't handle it. I'm looking forward to to eventually creating some time to deal with this newsletter stuff because you know I'd love to bring that in house. Uh, there's some things around the way we send email, that email in particular. I think we could do better. Sure. Yeah, and uh, side conversation that we had before that doesn't necessarily meet backstage standards is I think we can you know ma- just make it better, deal with all this spam stuff. I guess it's not that big of a deal having this list. Like it's just a it's just sitting there, but we know there's a thousand people that are spammy potentially. Right. You know. Plus, there's this aspect of it. So one thing I think would be worth doing as a as a gateway, so we could be official gatekeepers, is. You have to subscribe to Changelog Weekly to submit news. Like I don't think that's asking too much because that's actually like the newsletter you're trying to be on. It's like, well, if you're going to be on it, then don't you think it's not asking too much to just subscribe to it? Totally. And even that's hard to do because it's just expensive checks over to that, and just it's just a little bit more work than I'd want it to be. Whereas if it was just locally in our database, it would be just as easy as saying anything else. So we don't do yeah. that, but I think that would be a next step to get rid of. I mean, at least spammers would probably just subscribe to Changelog Weekly then. We'd have a bunch of, at least then they have to get our emails. You know, we get their spam, they get our spam. <laughs> <laughs> it goes both ways. It yeah, goes both if you're going to spam us, you have to at least uh, delete our newsletter once a week. That's right. That's fair. Well, yeah. I guess speaking We are off topic, though. Yeah, speaking of sure. the comments, so we had one specific comment from Alex R., who started talking about um, how they you know, consume podcasts and how. Podcasts are a weird thing. There's no central. I mean, it's kind of nice. There's no centralized place. I mean, we'll talk about mm-hmm. that with our latest Apple podcast run in where it hurt, but didn't hurt as bad as it could have. But where do you comment? You know, that's kind of what they were talking about, which led to a question of like, how do we, how do we discuss things with the podcasts that we listen to? Is there, we know there's certain social apps like Breaker, which was a podcast app, which tried to promote commenting in community we get a random comment in there every once in a while always a good comment too. yeah always solid it was never like spammy but they could never reach always... a critical mass so like they bought yeah. they got bought by twitter and now they're working on twitter spaces the team that was behind breaker is now working on twitter spaces so that's gone away spotify i don't think they're interested in commenting and discussion i don't know um so that led to the question of like how do we actually consume podcasts and that's what i guess ostensibly this backstage episode is about answering alex's question so the topics is just like hey what kind of stuff do you guys use 
with regards to podcasts and actually not how do we create our podcasts because we could talk about our gear and all that. This is more like how do we consume? And I think the answer is going to be kind of boring because we're both going to say probably the same thing. Well, let's let's see what happens then. <laughs> so how do you how do you listen to podcasts? I used to be a diehard Overcast user, and I also have Pocket Casts installed. Not a user, not not a fan either, but I like Castro. Oh, the plot thickens because I thought you were going to so say So I've been using Castro. I think it's just got a simpler UI. I don't know. I, I think it's got a, a, you know, a dark background. I don't know. It just wasn't Overcast, which I have no problem with Overcast. It's just like everybody uses it. So I'm like, I want to like go off the beaten path and try something different. Mm -hmm. And so I got exposed to um, Castro whenever we started to do Plus Plus with Supercast because that's part of Tiny, uh, Andrew Wilkinson's thing. I think Castro is one of his tiny companies. Right. And I think anything he does is aesthetically pleasing and has some thought behind the usefulness of the, of the product. So I'm like, I wanted to try something different. And that's what I did. So I tried Castro. Which I've stuck with it. I like it. It's got side loading. It's got other features that I don't even use, but you know, it's got some cool stuff in there. The main thing is it's easy to navigate, easy to, you know, jump around the timeline, easy to get to notes, uh, easy to add new podcasts. They have tasteful advertising of other podcasts when you search for podcasts. So I think that's always appreciated. Seems like they're paying attention to the landscape, not just here for the money. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard good things. I've never tried Castro. I have been an Overcast user since Overcast came out and still happily Overcast user. Now, I might actually be hooked on it because... Was that right? Oh boy. I use it for clipping. So it's not just a consumption device. Uh, consumption device. It's not a device. It's not just a consumption software. It's also a creation software. So I rely upon the share clip functionality inside overcast in order to create our highlights that we put out as audiograms on Twitter and YouTube. Yeah. And I don't know if anybody else allows that feature. Does Castro have any sort of sharing beyond just like share to timestamp or share episode? I think if anybody did, it would be them or pocket cast. Cause those three seem to be, you know, the indie, I'm not sure if pocket cast is indie anymore, but kind of the indie <laughs> dev, like high quality, sweat the details, and they kind of compete with each other in a positive way. So I'd expect maybe Castro has something like that, but the clipping function, especially that they uh, Overcast allows us to clip to audio only, mm. which is what we use because we don't need the video. We do create our own videos after the fact. So it's just like a just grabbing. It's an M4A file at the end of the day, saving it directly to Dropbox. And so that takes out a step, which would be like taking the video and stripping the audio out, you know, which we'd have to do yeah. if we're going to do something that did video as well. And so that feature is pretty much killer, like killer feature for me. But aside so, from that, it's always just been a nice, you know, well thought out, easy to use piece of software. Well, There's a trim feature. Okay. So you can definitely pull some clips. Okay. I don't see that it gives you audio only. However... Video technically is audio only too because you can just extract the audio from video. Right. So I think if you wanted to try it, it's uh, worth trying. Okay. The UI looks good for trimming. Nice. The other feature I like on 
Overcast is that you, if you're a paid person, which I am, which I think is like 10 bucks a year or something was, along yeah. that, he allows you to upload arbitrary files via the web UI and listen to them inside of Overcast, mm. which is kind of nice for things that you have which aren't podcasts. You can kind of create them, turn them into podcasts, and use the features of it like the smart silence and the voice boost and stuff like that. Yeah. So I use that quite a bit too. So Oh, you do? Yeah. That'd be a once in a while thing. Um, so like, you know, I like listen to old Bible preaching and stuff. And a lot of those are like really low quality audio because it was from like the 70s yeah, you or whatever. some help making them better. Yeah, sure. and then there's like long silences. They're just not great. And I don't want to do all the processing myself, but I want to listen to them the same way I listen to podcasts, you know, right there in the same UI, same place, yeah. same features, right? Sleep timer, skip forward, skip back, et cetera. And so I just upload them through the web UI and listen to them through there, and they sound a lot better, and it's nice. So stuff like that. What about the 1X, 2X, 3X feature? Oh. Do you, do you get into that? I'm just kind of a 1X kind of a guy. I will go, <laughs> uh, I'm looking at my settings here now. Okay, so my global setting is at, is smart speed is on, which shortens silences, so that's a little bit of, you know, Xing. Um, but my setting is like 1.3x. That's my default. And then certain podcasts, I'll speed up or slow down because you can out, you can, you can have global processing settings inside Overcast, and then you can uh, override per podcast. So for yeah. ours, I listen to all of ours at 1x with Smart Speed off and Voice Boost off because I'm doing basically quality assurance when I listen to ours. Right? I want to hear how yeah. it sounds, how we put it out. Exactly. Um, so I turn them off for ours. And then for other longer form podcasts, I'll like maybe go to 1.5. I just can't get used to a 2X. It's just too chipmunky. I know Nick Nisi from Jay's Party. Dude listens to like everything at 3X, I think. And he consumes podcasts like uh, I consume peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, I guess. <laughs> a lot of them fast. Twice a day? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Post-breakfast, pre-lunch, post-lunch, pre-dinner? You know, I don't know how it's nice because I'll be losing my teeth in my 80s or something and I'll still be eating PB&Js because you can gnaw those down with your gums. But I've just loved, you know, it's like a kid's meal. And I've just loved PB&J. Let's get a little bit deeper into this PB&J thing. (laughs) Okay. Is, uh, do you toast it? I will eat it toast. I will appreciate it toast. But if I'm making it, no, I'll just throw it. You don't toast it? No. I used to put butter on there. PB. My dad called it PBB and J, peanut butter, butter and jelly. Is that right? Yeah, because it just adds just a little bit more richness to it, but it's already mm-hmm. bad enough for you. One more layer deeper then. So okay. I, you know I'm a fan of cast iron skillets, right? So I, I have do. this little, like a six inch or seven inch cast iron skillet. And so in our house, we have this thing called a Sam Sammy. It's basically a ham sandwich grilled like a grilled cheese. Okay. So kind of know where I'm going with this. Yeah. Instead of making a peanut butter jelly sandwich in a toaster or not toasted, make it like a... Like a grilled cheese. That sounds spectacular. Put some, put some butter on the outside. Then you put your, your jelly or jam or your jelly jam. I mean, like we can go there too. <laughs> right. You know, you could be almond butter. You can be peanut butter. You could be thick. You could be creamy. You right. Could be crunchy. You know, all the all the mixes. But right. I love it like that. You can make it like a grilled cheese sandwich, but on, you know, on the cast iron. Right. And it's super good. Man. That sounds it's, spectacular. It's like a, 
It's like a gourmet stallion. It's right. Like you want it to kick it up a notch. If you're really a PB&J guy, this is like maybe your dinner PB&J. Yeah, exactly. You had a regular for lunch, but this is dinner. Like, let's get special. <laughs> yeah, this is dinner. So I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to skillet this one. Yes. No, that sounds good. It's kind of like when you go to a restaurant and you order like macaroni and cheese or something, or uh, what's the other one? Ramen. And they're like, yeah. you know, but it's not like the ramen that you ate at college. Like it's going to be spectacular. It's gourmet. Like, right. They're going to do it right. Yeah. Precisely. I would definitely eat that. Anyways. Uh, Nick Nisi listens at three X like I eat PB and J's, which is early and often. I don't know how you can do that. I think maybe you can just get used to it over time, but both mentally I've tried it. A chipmunk effect really bothers me. B mentally. I just can't keep up, you know, I'm just in there like, and of course when I listen to podcasts, I'm usually multitasking. You get anxious. So I'm mowing the lawn or I'm running or I'm driving. And now I'm like really having to pay attention hard. And I'm driving. That's a, that's a bad combo. So I'm a one X guy. What yeah. about you? you? Speed it up. Okay, so I pretty much will only ever use one X, and it's less of. I definitely agree with your chipmunk style, and that's definitely the issue. But I think I'm such a purist because I create podcasts. Yeah. And so it's like a filmmaker trying to like alter somebody else's film to watch it. Yeah, it's like he shot. You know, I think it of it like, like that. And this aspect ratio, but you now you're stretching it to yeah. fit your screen. Exactly. I just can't. So do you, get offended, reason, can't get, do you get offended if someone listens to us at 2X? No. I mean, you do how you do. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to knock you. So just listen to the show, be a consumer and, and enjoy it. But, you know, personal taste is more like I want to enjoy the art because I think it is an art form. I want to enjoy the art as it's delivered, mm-hmm. unaltered. I wouldn't mind the, you know, remove silences like Overcast has. Voice or, boost. What about voice boost? So like some podcasts, the content yeah. is really compelling, but like they aren't treating it like art it, and it's like use the tool. Ah, i can't listen to this unless because i can't hear this person like turn him up yeah i think so yeah if you if it's a tool that could be used to consume it better and enjoy it better for sure my personal taste on speed is one x yeah it's like texas forever one x forever <laughs> okay one you know, x for life man it's, it's not gonna happen you're not gonna see me at 1.2 1.5 or anything above that you're just gonna see me at one x and that's just my taste. Because if you got music in there, I don't want to hear your music 1.2 or 1.5x. I want to hear it at 1x as intended. Mm-hmm. So I think on that, I, I give credit to the producers of podcasts to deliver great art. And I'll listen to it unaltered. Yeah. What about interactions? Do you ever think, if I could interact with this podcast, I would, but I, or do you? And is there a way? You know, that's a great question because I think that that's the one, you know, as a podcaster for a very long time, that's the one thing of the loop that's missing is that feedback loop. Right. I think it can be overwhelming if it was, if it was like, so YouTube comments are, there's a lot of them. If you have a popular YouTube video, there's usually hundreds, if not thousands of comments. Mm-hmm. I don't really envy that world, but I do envy that connection, you know, so I, I would like to have that as part of the process, but I think to get there, you have to sort of centralize a lot of what podcasting is, which is sort of gets to this Apple issue potentially. Yeah. Is, uh, you know, you have to have a central, you know, bank of sort. You have to have some sort of central place to have this feature be ubiquitous across platforms and be useful. And podcasts are just independent. And they're they're sort of like, there's no real right, right way. I mean, you can produce a mini series that's still a podcast. You know, it's just simply an MP3 delivered via RSS to a subscribable thing, you know, some sort of client that can do that. That's what podcasts are. So, right. Um, 
I think in that case, I just uh, I would like to see it, but I don't know how. I don't, and I think if somebody could solve this problem, so you got Breaker. We talked about Breaker. Great ideas. Great team behind the thing mm-hmm. and still couldn't like get it to critical mass. They had a lot of great stuff. I mean, beautiful UI, great interactions, great team behind it. And it's it's uh it's not there. Overcast, indie indie maker, you know, Marco's not I don't know what he's doing with it. He's not adding features that I can tell. No, you know, maybe he's interested in that at all. Yeah. I mean, so there's no one really investing in the UX of podcasting at large, except for maybe the larger players now. And to some degree, that's a backstep in Apple's case. In Spotify's case, they're adding video. You know, they're doing other things. But, you know, maybe it's a slower yeah. iteration process to the to the better. You know, SoundCloud know. was great with comments. You know, they, they, yeah. they had timestamp comments. They would put, like, your little avatar would be, like, on the part of the song that you actually commented on. And it'd be like, I love this yeah. beat or I love this drop. And it was, like, timestamped and nice. And I thought for a while, I mean, we were kind of like tinkering with SoundCloud as like where we were going to be for a while. Yeah. And I don't know why they weren't able to capture the podcasting community and listeners. I don't know where they are with music. I don't really track them that closely. They have some really cool technology. I think Prometheus came out of SoundCloud. I know there's some cool stuff that's come out of SoundCloud. Um Spotify, I'm not a user. I'm just an Apple Music uh person. So I use Spotify pretty much only to like make sure our stuff is working and et cetera. I've never liked Spotify's app. I mean, I, I tried it. I just thought this thing is clunky. I don't get it. I'm not sure why everybody loves Spotify, but a lot of people sure love Spotify. 300 million active users, I think. Huge, huge, huge audience. Yeah. But I don't know. Maybe they're interested in, in doing this because they're trying to set themselves apart. But if they started a commenting discussion thing around podcasts, would I be excited about that? I probably wouldn't because not all our audience is there, right? Just like we had some people say, why don't you just start a subreddit? It's like, well, now we're just having the slice of our audience who also likes to hang out on Reddit, which is probably a large minority, but is a minority. Mm -hmm. I know lots of our listeners wouldn't step foot in Reddit, you know, and a lot of them live there. I think that's going to be the case, though, is... If you want to have any sort of threaded commenting on a podcast, it's going to be a sliver of the audience because mm-hmm. it's not centralized. Yeah. You know, it's just going to be the case. If it's going to be Spotify doing it, it's going to be the Spotify audience because it's going to be Apple music lovers that like you that are only there for the podcasts. They need the QA, which is a very small subset of the, <laughs> yeah, exactly. of the human race at large. And I'll say like most, here in the US. most of the people I've seen talking about podcasting on Spotify don't like it. Like they say, it's not mm. good. And, and I know Spotify is putting a lot of work into it. So maybe it's going to get better. But like the actual experience there, I mean, because you take an app slash site that's built for around music from, the, from day one. And yeah. now you just kind of like shoehorn podcasting into it. It's not going to be built for podcasting, you know. Like I don't like it. I don't it. listen to podcasts there, and I'm a diehard Spotify user. I don't. Uh, I guess I'm a Spotify user because it's what I began with. I think Apple Music came out later. It than did. It. Yep. The streaming. So side I just sort of stuck there for you know because I got playlists there. I don't know how to move them. We got a family plan. My wife's there. We have kids. We totally. have Sonos. You yeah. know, so we got like you know going to sleep soundtracks. You know, like right. we just have a lot of investment into the Spotify ecosystem 
and I'm not a, a, a listener of podcasts on Spotify. I can care less. Yeah. But they're there. I don't I don't ever mix. I never am like hopping back and forth between tunes and podcasts, you know? Like, no. It's different never. moods, different scenarios. I just It's a different UI too. You have different needs when you're listening to music than you do with podcasts. Yeah. And I can appreciate some of the things they have done with music though. I love like the little mini videos. But we're never going to produce that for a podcast. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe, potentially. I don't know. That'd be kind of cool to think about. But, like, whenever the full screen is like a video. Have you ever seen this? You know what I'm talking about? I've watched some of the Joe Rogan experience on there. But it's like, it just takes Well, over. not like video like that. But more like if you're listening to, say, The Weeknd, for example. And you're listening to one of his songs. No. It will have a mini music video okay it loops over and over and over it's about 30 seconds okay long so it's maybe. not like the actual music video stylistic it's just like very cool okay yeah it could be like you know motion-based album art yeah that's a cool idea i you I know actually i would i can in, dig that in apple music i clicked into a portion where i thought it was going to be like it was like it was like music videos i'm like oh i haven't watched a music video in a while i'll click here and i thought it was going to take me to some sort of a UI like a grid for like scrolling the music videos. No, it immediately like starts playing this video, which apparently is very popular right now, which is just like full screen on my on my phone. Some girl bent over twerking with like barely anything on. I'm like, whoa! I did not. <laughs> That's not what I, I did not sign up hey, for this. On. Cancel, yes. cancel, cancel. And I thought, yeah, I'm gonna stay away from the videos when it comes to music. They're getting pretty racy. Yeah. Well, you know, I think there's some room in the UX front to be done. And if there's going to be somebody to invest the design and engineering into it, it's probably going to be Spotify yeah. or Apple, although Apple hasn't shown much interest, really, aside from just, I guess, basic infrastructure for podcasts since the beginning, essentially. Right. So we should no that, real, that leads us into you know, this topic around the new Apple podcasts and really what oh, they yes. have been doing. So yeah. they announced paid subscriptions of course spotify announced the same thing again you end up uh 30 take and you're inside the walled garden so i just think i think it's maybe compelling similar like if you're going to start a youtube if you're going to start a video show today you'd like do it on youtube yeah. if you're starting a podcast and you want it to be paid and you don't want to do anything else maybe you just go right there but i don't think very many people are going to use that because you're just you're just requiring your audience live there if they're going to actually be paid and you know to be frank apple podcast is a large majority of downloads but it's not anywhere near a monopoly on that especially now that spotify is playing that game so they've announced this they botched the launch mm. they've delayed the launch mm. and they botched pretty much the entire <laughs> infrastructure in the place and it really screwed with us didn't it i did you know, I was uh, got an email or Slack or something. Somebody said that uh, they couldn't click through from GoTime to Apple Podcasts. I'm like, that's weird. Mm -hmm. So I went and checked it out. Sure enough, you know, it, it, it wouldn't work. And I'm like, this is weird. So I opened up podcasts. And, and then I think you slacked me later on that day. And I'm like, okay, this is unanimous. Now I'm going to other podcasts we have. And sure enough, none of our none of our podcasts would resolve to the actual URL to Apple Podcasts and turn come to find out I log into the one place where we can like it's been sort of you know my user base because like it was not a multi-user system before that's part of this rollout mm -hmm. um, to be able to provide management and users and roles and whatnot and uh, I log in and it, it says what did it say something like uh, 
we're we're setting things up, come back later, essentially. Yeah. That's that's a paraphrased version of it. If you want the real version, we'll screenshot it. But it it was like that is not what I want to see when I log into Podcast Connect. No podcast there, can't manage them, couldn't find them in search. You know, we have no connection to anybody at Apple because it's just so big. Right. So of course we submit support. We don't hear back for two days. Thankfully, we do have somebody we've connected with over the years in Apple PR, reached out to them. They helped out. And two two or three days later, our account's back up. Mm-hmm. But essentially, this rollout made a lot of people, and Pod News covered it pretty well, which we'll link to that in our show notes. I think that's what they're called, right? Yeah, Pod PodNews. PodNews.net. Yeah. They covered this really well. It's a post called, Is It a Lemon? Apple's Botched Podcast Rollout. And it's essentially this big issue that not just us, but many have had. And the actual error we saw was, we're setting up your account. This could take up to a day, so check back later. When we're finished, you can start adding shows. Like, well, we already added shows. We can't see our shows. People can't find our stuff. We added our shows years ago. Yeah, like, it's uh, it'd be different if it was like, we just set it up, so that's the issue. But, like, we've been in there for a decade. Right. In some cases. It's like, what? That's weird. I don't know how you do that. How How do you mess that up that badly? It seems like they set up brand new infrastructure, and there's some sort of a transition between the two. Because they've been revamping search, they're doing all this paid stuff, so there's like private feeds now. There's a lot more involved on this particular new version, and that's just my best guess as like a tech guy is like, okay, I think they needed to actually somehow move us between databases, and they did it in some sort of a staged or arbitrary or random rollout process. Because people were experiencing this at different times. I remember when the, it first announced. Like batches, yeah. It first announced there was a bunch of people saying they got locked out. And Pod News said, don't sign up yet. Because they thought it was if you actually went in and tried to upgrade your account, then you would get locked out. And then they weren't in the store. And at that point, I went and checked all of ours. And I'm like, oh, we're good. So no big whoop. Well, then later on, we were in trouble, right? So yeah. it seems like. This is just like a technical moving data from one data center to another kind of a thing. And there's like this in-flight time where you're just completely, it's like you've been moved into the new system, but none of your data is there, is my guess. Um, mm-hmm. And you're just offline and nobody can listen to your shows and nobody gets updates. So we like, our, our, our download numbers over the last two weeks were just tanking and there was nothing we could do about it. I mean, this felt kind of helpless which is the worst feeling it's like Mm -hmm. you think that you're in a decentralized robust (laughs) rss based world but you're really not there's a couple of large players and if one of them disappears or locks you out and they're a black box i mean there's just nothing you can do you know and then back to overcast um, we launched a show the same week this happened right. to us. That exactly. So we were the trying to create a new show in Apple Podcasts, which has a trickle effect. Well, you can't really add to Overcast, which is also our second biggest client, Apple Podcasts and Overcast, in most shows at least. And you can't add to Overcast. Is It, it does it by nature you can of add Apple Podcasts. Right, exactly. You can add it personally, but you can't add it like to the system. It inherits from Apple Podcasts. I think he might merge direct submits and Apple Podcasts, but I think he he falls back to Apple Podcasts. I'm not sure. Well, when I went to add it, it said that. like It said if you're trying to add a podcast to Overcast for others, essentially, yeah. 
the way we do it is essentially we, we get it Apple. from Apple Podcasts. So right. once it's added there, it will just appear. Yeah. Is the, you know, paraphrased version of what it said. So I think oh my, that's great in a normal world where you can rely upon this system working. So, you know, Marco, if you're listening to this, rethink that because I think that uh, we can, there's times when you can't rely upon Apple and that's going to happen again. And he has a, re- he has a recent post out there that I think is worth mentioning uh, on developer relations in regards to Apple and back to that sort of like subscriptions, 30% thing. Right. You know, on one side, it's it's uh, you know it, it's uh, a fractured community where you have subscriptions on Apple, subscriptions on Spotify. I don't know how that actually plays out, but he had mentioned here essentially uh, the Apple leadership continued to deny developers of two obvious truths. He says there are app that our apps provide substantial value to iOS beyond the purchase commissions collected by Apple, and two that any portion of our customers came to our apps, which they paid for and Apple got money for, from our own marketing reputation rather than the app app store. So I think if we're in this kind of world where you're subscribing to podcasts, sure, big ecosystem, big market, but, you know, I'm sure that there's some part of our name that says we should should go and subscribe to this and therefore Apple or Spotify will get some benefit of it. 30% is a lot. For an indie brand, in most cases, like I would say 99% of podcasts are indie. 98%, 98%, I don't even, I, it's not how true that is, but from my per- perspective, it's probably pretty true. Hmm. You know, 90%, 95%, somewhere in that portion is indie. Yeah. And when you take 30% from an indie, plus taxes right? Plus on, you know, your income or, you know, if you're an incorporate, in a, a corporation, you got corporate tax, which going through the roof these days, you know? Right. You know, you're really getting hit from all angles. Plus there's cost of doing business. I mean, it, it gets substantially harder to run. A show of high quality that requires the time and attention to detail and the things we put into it. Yeah. So speaking of that, I do believe this was a wake-up call specifically for Overcast because Marco Arment did say on his podcast that around these Apple rollouts and all of these things, he's decided to adopt the podcast index as a secondary source. So the podcast index, which is at podcastindex.org, is a relatively new effort led by some of the OG podcasters. Mm. Uh, I can't think of the guy's name right now who heads it up, but he's like the father of podcasts. What's his name? The pod father, they call him. Dave something Curry? Blanky. Oh, yeah, Adam Curry. Adam Curry. So Adam Curry and friends. From MTV back in the day. Yeah, exactly, from MTV. So this podcast index is like an open source, open thing. And they say, let's preserve podcasting as a platform for free speech. We do this by enabling developers to have access to an open categorized index that will always be available for free for any use. So I love this effort. And they're even working on extending the podcast RSS features via a new namespace, which we do support in our feeds, and adding enclosures. There's open debate on it on GitHub, et cetera. And so there's new enclosures, like you can put your hosts in there with like avatars and your guests in there. You can you can put uh, location. There's like lots of different new podcast colon uh, star where star is these new enclosures inside the podcast namespace in the in the spec. Very cool. So I think we'll see more and more at least the small apps, right? The open source apps, 
the indie dev apps. You're not going to see Apple Podcasts probably support this. You're probably never going to see Spotify support this. But people out there on the indie scene, well, at least to keep to take care of each other, <laughs> us indies, and not make it so dependent on two big organizations. So, yeah, which can show to some of their motivation, right? Like I think if if Spotify would not want to support this and the the tagline essentially for podcast index is the open index for everyone so that way you, it's essentially like saying you know multi-cloud or no cloud lock-in like in our world it's kind of like that where this isn't locking you into the spotify world or to the apple world that you can sort of move about as necessary because podcasts are an independent infrastructure this is like saying no to that independence and saying yes to we want to be a wall garden to control it yeah. And that to me is icky. Mm-hmm. That's that's not cool. Despite, you know, the purchase or the license or however you want to frame the Joe Rogan thing, you know, despite, you know, the pedestal they put podcast on to popularize it from a marketing standpoint or a news standpoint, that's not cool. Yeah. To me. Somebody who's been doing this for a very long time, once they keep doing it for a very long time, somebody who <laughs> I mean <laughs> people like us who who our livelihoods are built on this podcast and what we've done you know, that's a threat. Yeah. It's not cool. It's like saying we want to we want to determine what screws and nuts and wood you can buy to build your things. Totally. So yeah. on the bright side, which is kind of the side that I had to take in order to not get excruciatingly mad while we were offline, it's I think it was exacerbated exacerbated by the fact that we were trying to put ship it in there, and people were asking why is it not on Apple Podcasts, and we're like, well, it was embarrassing to a certain degree. Brand, you're trying to launch a show and you can't launch it to yeah. a large portion. Yeah, people it. telling you, hey, I'm trying to check this out and I can't find it. What's yeah. Going on Meanwhile, here? to Spotify's credit, we added it to Spotify and it was there within hours. I mean, they gave yeah. us the URL immediately, but the actual information populated within hours. So when we were offline on Apple, I think we lost or we couldn't reach about 30%, maybe 40, 30 to 40% of our audience, which is too much. Substantial. But what it's not is 100%. You know? Yes. What it's not is The everybody. optimism. I love it. Because look at YouTube. Look at Spotify. I guess Spotify doesn't count if you're... I mean, if you're exclusive on Spotify. Yeah. You know? If you go exclusive... Which people do. And I think YouTube's the best anti-pattern because that is the one that is like everyone's exclusive, right? Because nobody's video is anywhere else. And if we were on YouTube or we were trying to launch ship it on YouTube and we couldn't get on or we were on there and all of a sudden we couldn't, we lost the entire, I mean, that's a hundred percent of your audience just cut out from underneath you. Yeah. So podcasting is more robust than video is as is evidenced by this, but potentially getting more and more centralized as Apple and Spotify get more serious about it. Yeah. It's hub and spoke. Podcasting is definitely more hub and spoke. Mm-hmm where the our RSS feed and our site and where we stored and hosted is the hub and the spokes are the individual places you can consume it. That makes sense. And then YouTube is straight up just the hub. There is no spokes. To, to Apple's credit, though, too, once they were back up, once we had Podcast Connect back up and we added Chip It, it was there in hours. That's true. It was there quickly because I even changed the screen time. Like, it's published. Like, they... They've changed too, where they would take a couple of days to publish it. It would be inactive or pending 
for a day or so until they mainly vetted it. And I don't know what it was this time, but it said published immediately, essentially immediately. And then I went and searched uh, in podcasts and found it pretty quickly. So that was uh, that was quick, man. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's there's going to be having these ebb and flows, that's for sure. But uh, maybe one question to tail off on would be finding good podcasts. Consuming is one thing, but finding good podcasts, that's the hard thing, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you do it? Personal recommendation. Every time, right? Pretty much. Is that like a tweet? Is that like an email? Mm-hmm. Is that like a... It's usually I ask people like... It varies. It's kind of like if you're writing good Hacker books news, lately. news, comment. No, that's not personal. That's impersonal. It's usually personal. Like, hey, this podcast is awesome. Check it out. So... That's usually how I find stuff. Now, there have been some that I found other ways. Um, a lot of times it's just following people that I appreciate listening to them talk, and so I'll just follow them onto some other podcast. And I'll say, mm-hmm. oh, this is a pretty good podcast. I'll uh, I'll give them a listen. But most of it's personal recommendations. You know, people saying, oh, I was listening to this show the other day. You got to listen to it. And if it, maybe it's just an episode. Oh, this was a great episode. And I'll go check it out. And that's pretty much it. How about you? I mean, I don't go searching for podcasts. Do you? Like, I need a new podcast. I'm going to search Google for mm. podcasts about low and slow. Yeah, finding it. Yeah, I, I think my finding of sources is different. And it's actually kind of weird to say this because I don't go and search out a podcast to find new content. I will search uh, straight up Google in some cases, find some things. Uh, YouTube, TikTok has become a new source for me to find certain things. I'm into like plants these days and like TikTok, bioactive habitats and spiders and stuff like that. You know, like it's pretty cool, man. You're pretty hip to be on TikTok. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm on, well, I'm not on there as a, a producer. I'm on there as a consumer. Yeah. But, uh, that's where I'll find my creators. And then from there, I might track their podcast. So, you know, I think in that case, the way people find people like us is like, you know, they're, they're searching for something on React or searching for something on Kubernetes or infrastructure or whatever it might be or the latest open source thing or what's happening with Dino. Oh, there's a podcast here. That I listen to this Ryan Dahl podcast on the changelog. Oh, wow, they got a whole backlog for years mm-hmm. and get lost in it. So I think you're topically find, you're searching topically and finding creators and then, you know, discovering what ways they share their content. It could be blog, could be podcast, could be TikTok, could be Twitter threads, you know, there's all sorts of ways you can share ideas. And I think we've chosen podcasts as the best medium. With that in mind, a few personal recommendations. If you're looking for a new podcast, I will not recommend to you ship it because that's just self-serving. But you should probably check that one out. Our brand new podcast from Changelog Media with Gerhard Lezu. But a couple podcasts that you will probably enjoy. Decoder with Neelai Patel. If you're into big ideas, if you like the Verge cast or anything that they put out over there, uh, Neelai does a great job interviewing people who are generally smart and high up at important places. Like, for example, Ford just announced their new F-150 Lightning, yes. which is the first time in the history of me owning Tesla stock that I've been a little bit nervous about my Tesla stock because it's a compelling, compelling vehicle. And I did reserve one just in case. For a hundred bucks, you can get out at any time. And like right after they announced it, he had Ford CEO on the show, which was, I thought, a very good interview. 
uh, Jim Farley was on Decoder. So Decoder is a great one. If you like Star Wars like I do, Full of Sith is a great podcast uh, where they, <laughs> they go deep, deep, deep on Star Wars. And it's very positive. They're very positive people. They don't like to tear it down and complain, even though, you know, there are things to complain about with Star Wars nowadays. Uh, what else? The way I heard it with Mike Rowe is great. They used to be very short stories that he wrote and then reads, and now they're kind of becoming longer stories, but it's still good. If you like movies, the Slash Filmcast is spectacular. The All In Podcast is great for like startup news and analysis with what's going on in kind of the Silicon Valley world. What else do I have? Econ Talk, I've talked about that one before. Yeah. Uh, lots of insights around the economy. Well, surprise you and Ryan Singer had that in common because, like, you guys are both knee deep in econ talk. I know, and I was like, I, I felt like an outsider. I'm like, wow, you guys are so deep into this. You both subscribed to the same. Po- I mean, like, how he was deeper than I was. I was like, I hop in and out of econ talk usually. Like, sure. I don't listen, to me. and he was like, he was steeped in it. For he sure. was very much. Lex Friedman's how, been doing how, a lot of how great comes shows. that happen though, where you're like listening to the same podcast as somebody else? I, mean, I guess maybe that. I think make Econ sense Talk is more popular than maybe we give it credit because okay. he's not the first person that I've said Econ Talk to, and they've been super excited. So I think okay. Econ Talk is pretty popular amongst economists and those types. Uh, if you want a good comedy podcast, Monday Morning Podcast with Bill Burr, he basically just comes on there and just rambles and uh, curses Bill and Burr. says ridiculous things, and it's pretty funny. Uh, I won't go on. There's more, but I'll just stop there because you can't give too many. I got one recommendation. Yeah, go ahead. What you got? Only one. Okay. Okay. Now this is for anybody, really. I mean, if you have kids, it's a bonus. But if it's for anybody, Blues Clues and you. Oh, really? Yeah. Story time with I don't know who uh, Tim somebody. The Blues Clues guy. Story time with uh, I think his name's John. Yeah, John. I believe his name's John. It's the guy that does the show. So they, they launched a new Blue's Clues. They've had, I would imagine they're like hosts. So Blue's Clues and you is the show. And they've had a couple different people host the show. And now they have a brand new person. And they have this awesome podcast. It's like four minutes, five minutes long. It's not very long. It's a very cool story. All the cool sound effects that you hear on the show. You know, that's that's blue. That's how blue talks. <laughs> nice. And my son Micah loves it. So okay, it's a fan favorite in our household. So I say it's a bonus if you got kids because I think adults can enjoy it too. But probably better with kids. Yeah. Excellent. Well, there's a few recommendations. We'll link to those in our show notes. If you're listening to cool podcasts that you'd like to recommend to us, well, let us know in the comments. You can also hop <laughs> into Slack and let us know. We're always looking for personal recommends. We do appreciate if you do like our shows that you recommend those to people because, yeah. and I do say that at the end of the shows, I think Adam has said it before, like that's the best way you can support us. You can also directly support us with changelog plus plus. In fact, if you're listening to this, you're either on our master feed, which means you're awesome or you're a changelog plus plus person, which means you're awesome as well. But personal recommendations are, I think mm-hmm. probably still the best way because like I never would have, I never would have found blues clues story hour if it wasn't for Adam. Right. Blues, Clues, and You. Blues, Clues, and You. Sorry. I already renamed it. Look at me always trying to name things. And that's only five minutes. You gave it a story hour. <laughs> that's, <five laughs> that's right. Oh, I'd like a little bit more. You know, come on. Five <laughs> minutes is too easy. Give us more. Yeah. So we do, of course, do appreciate if you like one of our shows or more, even if it's just a specific episode. Tell your friends. Mm. Tell your colleagues. And uh, like I like to say, they'll thank you later. No. What do I say? They, they'll thank you now and we'll thank you later. I don't know. Oh, they'll thank you later. We'll thank you right now. There you go. 
There you there's go. my saying. That's a good one. Yeah. I like that. I always appreciate those tweets. I mean, there's people who will say, I found this podcast from Changelog and their whole catalog's awesome. I mean, we put a lot of work into our shows. We we show up to to over to overachieve and uh and to succeed in it. And we just pour everything we can into the quality of it, to the people we work with, to the people in the show, to the audio quality, all the processes. There's transcripts on every podcast, comments, as you know. So, yeah, enjoy. Yeah, there you go. Thanks for hanging with us. Mm-hmm.